Today's reading is from Colossians 1, verses 15 to 23. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things were hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you have heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Eva. Do keep your... Uh, Bible's open if you have one. I can still remember one of the most helpful prayers that a a friend ever prayed for me. Uh, It was an older Christian who'd been walking alongside me, uh, and it was at a a time in my life where I was idolising a number of things. Uh, And rather than praying specifically uh, that I'd change my ways, uh, he simply prayed that I would be captivated by the beauty of Christ that the Lord Jesus would become more wonderful to me uh, than anything else in life, than my comfort, than my security, than pride, than sport, than relationships. And it was a wonderful thing to pray because it reminded me that genuine and lasting change in the Christian life often comes about when we're captivated by Christ, not when we try harder, not when we're really harsh on ourselves for making mistakes, not when we go to the other extreme and and excuse our behaviour. Christ-likeness comes when when Christ is front and centre, when much is made of him. And in the Bible, there are loads of places that you could go uh, that are particularly helpful to captivate us by what Christ has done. Uh, The beginning of John's Gospel is one place, and a number of our small, group, uh, small groups have been uh, looking at uh, those, those words in, in the early parts of John's Gospel in recent weeks. Uh, the beginning of the book of Hebrews is another place. And of course, today's passage is similar. Uh, we see Jesus portrayed in three ways. Firstly, we see Jesus in creation. Then we see Jesus in the new creation. And finally, we see Jesus in redemption. And my hope is we'll be captivated by Jesus this morning, that we'll see that just as he, just as he was more than enough uh, for the Colossians back then, so he is for us. And that it will lead us to lasting change, uh, particularly in areas of life that God is gently uh, working away in us. Uh, so let me pray for that now. Please join me. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for these words in the book of Colossians. Uh, Please would you help us to see the Lord Jesus more clearly. 
may he be more to us than anything else in this life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, if you haven't been uh, with us over the last couple of weeks, we've started a series in the book of Colossians, and we've heard about this fairly young church that has come to faith in Jesus by hearing this true and unchanging message of the gospel. The Apostle Paul has heard news of their faith and has taken it upon himself to write to them. Uh, He's heard some wonderful things about the church, and it's led him firstly to give thanks uh, to God for the work he's been doing in their lives, and secondly, to pray that they would mature in their faith. Uh, And we thought last week about the call on our lives too, uh, to mature in Christ. And with their maturity in Christ uh, fresh in his mind, Paul launches into this section that marvels at the work of Jesus. These verses are sometimes referred to as the Colossian hymn. They reflect on on the Lord Jesus through history. Uh, The first thing that Paul shows us in, in verses 15 to 17 is Jesus in creation. Uh, This section is a a bit of a throwback, Uh, and I say throwback because Paul takes our minds all the way way back to Genesis 1 and the creation of the world. Uh, To begin, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Looking at Jesus is like looking at God himself. He's the perfect image of God because he is God. Uh, It's not like some images you, you come across from time to time that look nothing like what they're portraying. Uh, you see a, an advertisement uh, for food on TV and it's been photoshopped to perfection. Or you go to book accommodation and, and the pictures make the place look absolutely amazing. But then you end up trying the food or you, you turn up at the accommodation and it's nothing like the images that you were shown. Uh, and it leads to disappointment. Uh, not so with Jesus. Jesus is the, the image of God uh, revealed. He shows us exactly what God is like. Uh, and he's given a, a strange description at the end of verse 15. The firstborn over all creation. What do you, what do, you do with that? Uh, I think uh, one of the Psalms, Psalm 89, uh, is a helpful uh, place for us to go because it, tells us, uh, it helps us a little bit. It says in verse 27, I will also appoint him my firstborn, the most exalted of the kings of the earth. Uh, It's more about his status as being exalted above all others than it is about being born first. Uh, It's a term that points to honour or rank, uh, like a title. And Paul explains this in verse 16. Literally, all things were created by Jesus. Things in heaven, uh, on earth, things seen, things unseen. Uh, Then the next four things mentioned, thrones, powers, rulers and authorities. They seem to go from the the most powerful to the least powerful at the time. But all these other positions are are well below Jesus in rank. All physical things, all spiritual things as well. This section isn't saying that Jesus was the first human ever born. Uh, and, And verse 17 gives us further clarity. He is before all things. It's saying he was there before the world was even created, with his Father in heaven. And there are two key things that he points out. The world was created by him and the world was created for him. Not for us, for Jesus. Uh, And that's a fairly significant thing uh, that Paul tells us. Uh, Then in verse 17, in him all things hold together. Now we know from the book of Genesis about God the Father's role in creating the world 
But here we're given a glimpse of the role of Jesus, the Son. Uh, Jesus' significance in creating our world, also holding everything together. Uh, just, just for a moment, think with me about the world that we live in. Think of everything in nature. Think of humanity. Uh, think of culture. Think of all the things that have ever been invented. All the detail, all the intricacies. And Jesus is the key to it all. Uh, G.K. Chesterton was a theologian in the 1800s who reflected on, on these verses and wrote, I am the man who with utmost daring discovered what had been discovered before. I freely confess all the silly ambitions of the end of the 19th century. I did, like all other solemn little boys, try to be in advance of the age. Like them, I tried to be 10 minutes in advance of the truth, and I found I was 1,800 years behind it. In Jesus, you have someone who knows this world and all that's in it, inside and out. Uh, if you're someone who's, who's going through something in life that you're not sure how to handle, uh, you can come to him. You can bring your burdens to him because this world is his. So that's Jesus in creation. Uh, the second thing that Paul shows us is Jesus in the new creation in verses 18 to 20. Uh, in verse 18, there's a bit of a transition as Paul mentions Jesus' connection to his people. And after that, he points to the new creation. Initially, he says, and he is the head of the body, the church. As the head, he's the one who directs the body. And the Colossians are, are a part of that body, just as every Christian is. Now, in other places, when Paul speaks about the body, his, his focus is on each individual member. And he'll speak in that way in chapter 2. But here... His focus is solely on Christ, Christ leading the body, uh, the body looking to Christ for direction and guidance. Uh, you might lose a limb in life and, and survive, but you can't survive without the head. It's very easy for us to stop thinking about Christ as the head uh, of the body when we're relying on all, these external, uh, all this external direction and instruction in many areas of life at the moment, but we are the church. We are the body, and he is the head. Uh, we have this connection to Christ that governs what we do. Now, of course, he's ordered this world in a way that he wants, and, and we acknowledge that order, and we trust that he's still ruling over all things. But at no point should we stop looking to Christ as the head of the body. Now, once again, you see in verse 18 the, the use of the word firstborn. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. Uh, many of you will know that Jesus wasn't the first person raised from the dead in the Bible. Uh, we know of Lazarus. Uh, we know of the widow of Nain's son. And like earlier, Paul's not claiming that Jesus is the first person to be raised from the dead. But his resurrection ranks as the most important. Without his resurrection, there's no hope of us being resurrected. Uh, Paul's spoken about creation, but now he points to new creation. As Christians, we know that Death is not the end for us. Jesus' resurrection points to our, new crea uh, our resurrection in the new creation. And the, reasons, uh, the reason for Jesus being the firstborn from among the dead is so that he might have the supremacy. So he might be superior to all others. Uh, I'm not the firstborn in my family, but under this ranking system, there's, there's a little bit of hope. No, no uh, Jesus 
is Jesus is the one who has the supremacy. Now, as a society, uh, we're very aware that all human, uh, all, of all that humanity has achieved, and we have this kind of fascination with advancements and, and pushing the boundaries of what can be achieved. And some people wonder, in a world with these kind of advancements, what place is there for Jesus? Is he still relevant in the world that we live in? Well, if the Colossians were tempted to move on from Jesus uh, without any of the technological advancements that we have, uh, what hope is there for us? Well, Paul says in these verses, Christ is still supreme. Uh, no No matter how far humanity advances, He's still the key to understanding this world uh, and everything, everything that is in it. Uh, he carries on in verse 19. For God was pleased to have his fullness dwell in him. Uh, fullness is a word that's going to keep coming up a, a few times as we go through the letter. And again, Paul uses it to show that Christ is enough. And because the, the fullness of God dwells in him, uh, we see his role in the new creation. Through Jesus, God is able to reconcile all things to himself. To to reconcile, of course, is to restore it. Uh, There's a sense in which God will uh, reconcile all the disorder of this world, all the disharmony that the world brings. It will be complete in the new creation. Uh, And of course, we know the way he does it is there at the end of verse 20. By making peace through his blood shed on the cross. In our world, when people speak about peace, it's, it's often just the absence of war or it's a peace that, that could change at any minute. But that's not the peace that Jesus brings. This is a peace that's built on love and self-sacrifice, a lasting peace, a peace that only came about through the shedding of the blood of the Son of God. It's a peace that we now enjoy in part, but we'll enjoy more fully in the new creation. That's the second thing, the the picture we see of Jesus in the new creation. Uh, The final thing that Paul shows us in these verses is Jesus' redemption. Uh, Verse 21, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. There's a lot there in verse 21, alienation. Uh, Alienation's a horrible feeling, isn't it? Feeling like you're on the outer, excluded, uh, disconnected from others. And sadly, there there are more and more people in our world who feel this way. And much to our shame, uh, Christians can often cause others to feel this way. Paul says alienation from God is something that the Colossians once faced. They were his enemies. They behaved in evil ways. It's as if they alienated themselves from God. But now through Jesus, they are reconciled to God. Uh, before he talked about reconciling all things, but now he speaks in a more personal way. Now he has reconciled you. Without Jesus, our relationship with God is, is broken, and really it's, it's beyond repair in terms of what we can do. But he alone can restore it. Uh, many of us will know that reconciliation of relationships with others can be very difficult, and we'll have faced instances where We've tried to reconcile a relationship or or someone else has tried to reconcile with us and it seems really impossible. Damage has been done. Uh, Repair seems unlikely. How much more impossible the task to reconcile sinful humans with a holy God. Certainly a task that we can't achieve 
but one that Jesus has achieved. Jesus was himself willing to be alienated in our place, to face God's judgment on our behalf, to be treated like an enemy, so that we could find peace. There's even more to this newfound peace. Uh, Look at verse 22. Through his death they are now holy, without blemish, and free from accusation. One day we will be presented before God. God, the one who sees us and knows us and and knows everything about us. One day he will look at us and he'll either find us to be like the the Colossians when, when Paul was writing, holy, without blemish, free from accusation, or we'll be enemies like they once were, getting what we deserve for the way that we've rejected and treated God. And that's why there's a condition to being redeemed in verse 23. The promise of verse 22 is there for the Colossians if they continue in their faith. Three ways they continue in the faith, established, firm, and not moved. When I think of those three words, I think of something stable, something not easily knocked about, something grounded. I think of our very own Thomas Joseph. He's not here, he was here earlier. He's a solid unit. Uh, if you've never met Thomas uh, before, if you've never met him, uh, just imagine Goliath, uh, someone that size but, but much nicer. Now, imagine if, if Thomas was, was standing right here next to me and I tried to push him over. Uh, I wouldn't get very far because if, if he doesn't want to move, then I can't move him. Uh, and that's the kind of immovability that, that Paul envisions for the Colossians. Hold on to Christ. Don't let anyone or anything move you from the hope of the gospel of Jesus. The same gospel that you first heard, Christ is all you need. He is the supreme one. And you might have noticed the the strange ending to verse 23. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. It's really a picture of the gospel continuing to spread through the world. And Paul recognising his role in that. As we seek to continue on, established and and firm in the Christian life, part of that is the change that God brings about in us as he makes us more and more holy. And we certainly have a responsibility in that. But the encouragement here is for the Colossians, uh, for the Colossians, is, is don't move on from the message of the gospel. Don't move on from Christ. The world will belittle Christ and and we'll find ourselves in positions where we might even be tempted uh, to belittle Christ uh, or to allow them to. Instead, make much of Christ. Each of us can do that. Uh, It was Hudson Taylor who said of Jesus, He is either Lord of all or not Lord at all. He is either Lord of all or not Lord at all. Which of those two things is true for you? Maybe you're someone who needs a reminder that Christ is more than enough uh, rather than turning to the wisdom that the world provides us with, uh, to hollow or shallow sources of inspiration that, that really can't help us eternally. Let us be captivated by Christ, the one who this world was created for, the one who sustains it, the one who redeems us. May he become more and more to us. Uh, And as he does, I pray that he'll continue to bring about lasting change in each of our lives. 
to make us more and more like Jesus as we look to him. Uh, Let's pray.